James Elder, UNICEF spokesperson, thank you for taking the time to speak with us from Gaza. Could you please paint a picture for us concerning the plight of children in the strip? What does the situation on the ground look like? Yeah, the situation on the ground looks desperate, whether it's the physical structure, just seeing apartment block after apartment block destroyed, rubble on the ground, concrete, blown up cars, people fleeing their homes, or whether it's just the look on people's faces, just the trauma, the stress, as if as if like sorrow and sadness have taken root here in Gaza. It's an immensely difficult time right now. And of course, this is this is actually the humanitarian pause, but people are recovering from so much over the last seven weeks. So frightful that things will start again, but 1.5 million people have lost their homes, 30, 40,000 people in various shelters, hospitals full of children with the wounds of war. It's a desperate situation. Tell us about the situation of children in Gaza. It's horrendous. I mean, every single child here, I really feel, unfortunately, I can say that with some certainty, they all will need some kind of mental support, whether it's the little boy I was speaking to just half an hour ago in what should be a technical college for young people, but is now a a camp for 30 or 40,000 people. This little boy lost his mum, lost his sisters, uh, in a bombing, is is not even aware yet that his mum had died. This is the reality. I've spoken to so many families and they haven't yet told a child because they're still recovering from the wounds of war. They haven't told them that someone else that they love is also dead, that their life is actually even bleaker than they thought. So hospitals are full. They're overflowing. You know, the emergency wards with boys and girls, shrapnel wounds, horrendous burns, They're not just on hospital beds inside with these incredible health staff, incredible doctors, nurses working around the clock, but they're out of space. It's a war zone. So you've got children in car parks, in gardens, on beds, everywhere. Then, of course, you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of children who are not in school, who are in very overcrowded camps, who are cold, it's starting to rain, who do not have enough food, do not have enough water, who are now at risk of of a disease outbreak. It's a horrendous situation. You've been uh, using social media to highlight the stories of children who have been injured in Gaza. Do you have a specific story that you would like to share with us? Look, there are so, so many, to be honest. Unfortunately, every time I turn around, someone has another story that would break my heart. Again, just now in the last hour, I would love to to share, but I would I'd rather we, people hear her own voice. A 21-year-old, okay, she's not a child, but she's so brilliant. She underlines the best of what, the immense potential of the Gaza Strip if they get peace and security. We're a fourth-year medical student and bought us her clothes, was about to go and do a, a medical practice in a hospital. And now, like, my dreams have been crushed. She's like, doctors here, they don't get to operate. They just get to bury people. This is people's reality. Now, children, yeah, I mean, they all stick in my head, particularly those ones with who've suffered so much um, through the fighting. I was on a bus with children finally come down. It had taken four days to get from um, hospitals in the north, finally come to safety. Four days this little boy had been on a bus, four days with the bottom of his foot blown off, four days for the body, the flesh to start decomposing, limb broken, shrapnel, burns. So many of these children, it's beyond 
any level of understanding how this has happened at such, such a scale. And therefore, one of the reasons we keep talking so much about, about this cannot continue. But yeah, children's stories, they're, they're everywhere. A little boy, Omar, seven years old, when his family home was hit, his mother was killed, Omar's father was killed, and Omar's twin brother was killed. Even as I spoke to him, he was able to just share what he's doing. He loves his auntie. She's being amazing in supporting him. But he kept closing his eyes. And I was trying to understand why. And I asked the auntie, why does Omar keep closing his eyes? And she said, he's just so terrified that he'll forget what his mother and his father look like. This is his fear now. And so he closes his eyes because he can't bear the thought that he's lost them in this world, but also might lose them in his imagination. On Sunday, UNICEF and WFP conducted a joint mission to deliver uh, food assistance to Al-Ahli Hospital in Gaza City uh, and surrounding areas. Could you please provide more details about this mission? Oh, look, the last few days of all the UN agencies have just been remarkable. It's exactly what can happen when there is a pause in fighting, when we get access as we should, when we're allowed to bring in supplies. This is the message that from the Secretary General down has been has been given for six weeks now. So for UNICEF, it was medical supplies. It was emergency kits. It was kits for midwives because there are so many pregnant women giving giving birth in a war zone. It was oral rehydration salts, intravenous uh, solution, uh, multivitamins for children because we're desperately worried about the nutritional status of children here, desperately worried. UNRWA, the biggest agency here, um, for the people of the Gaza Strip is delivering fuel. Fuel, of course, is water. Water is going to pump those desalination plants. Water is going to be the difference between life and death. So there's that. There's been WFP getting food there, WHO with medicines. This is what's required and this is what's possible, as I say, when the people here have a respite. This is why this humanitarian pause has to, in all good conscience, turn into a humanitarian ceasefire and then lasting peace. We cannot possibly go from getting this aid in to in 24, 72 hours, the bombardment again. We have not got enough aid in yet to people. It's coming in, but the people need time to recover. We need time to deliver it. That's why a lasting peace is the only thing that will ultimately protect people here. Speaking of water, um, the lack of clean water has been one of the major issues during this conflict. Does UNICEF have a plan to provide the children of Gaza with clean water? Yes, very much so. I mean, UNICEF, all our incredible partners on the ground here in the Gaza Strip, UNRWA, these, the, all these actors. And it's a very clear plan. Firstly, of course, again, peace, stop the bombardments because they are destroying water points and the desalination plants desalination plants are critical here. Get the fuel in, get the repairs. We need machinery to fix those, get them fixed, get them running again, open the pipelines. The desal plants are the really critical ones. Of course, we can be distributing hundreds of thousands of bottles of water, but it's not an efficient way to deliver aid and it's not going to get to people quickly enough. So we have plans. People are working on them now. I was speaking to colleagues this morning who are already assessing those desalination plans to get them going again. The United Nations on the ground here, partners, know exactly what needs to be done and they're doing that. But to continue doing that, again, the, the pause needs to turn into a ceasefire. Finally, uh, does UNICEF 
have the latest latest figures regarding the, the casualties among children in Gaza? I don't have the latest, latest from the last couple of days. It can be delays with the Ministry of Health. Honestly, four or five weeks ago when it was several hundred children killed, it was several hundred too many. It was ghastly to think that hundreds of children are being killed and then it was a thousand. Now the reports are that it's more than 6,000, more than 6,000 boys and girls have been killed. That has to stop. We can look at we can look and investigate after this, but that has to stop for children. So many children have lost parents. So many parents have lost children. You know, this war scars in so, so many ways. A child will lose their parent. A parent's life will never be the same once they've lost a child. Again, these things will only be addressed, addressed through peace. Um, but certainly for me, having only been here since last week, it's very unusual to talk to anyone here who has not lost a loved one.